Hello and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host, and it's Thursday, and we are smack dab in the dead center of our tribute to Lucille Fletcher, the First Lady of Horror Radio. Uh, as I have pointed out in previous broadcasts, there were very few female radio writers. Uh, for whatever reason, there were very few, but Lucille Fletcher was one of the absolute tops, if not the top. Her specialty was kind of strange, creepy stories. We are going to hear what is considered her masterpiece and her most famous of all programs today, Sorry Wrong Number. Sorry Wrong Number was done multiple, multiple times on radio. The one we're going to present today is the second version of it from February 24th, 1944. And we have as our special guest on the Good Old Days of Radio Show for this particular series, Mr. Donald uh, Ramlow, who was uh, a friend at later in life of Lucille Fletcher. And he always has some, some fun and interesting things to talk about and tell us about what do you have for this particular show, uh, Don? Well, in this particular case, uh, as she shared with others, uh, Lucille uh, had a bad experience one time when she was out shopping and dealing with somebody in the store. So she says, well, I'm going to bring you up on a radio show. I'm going to get even with you. And so she says, I wrote her into this show just as how I felt she was. And so it was kind of her inside joke, if you will, uh, to put this person she'd had a, a run-in with uh, into this radio play. Uh, in a grocery out. store. Be, well, we, we don't want to give away too much of the show for those who haven't heard it yet, but maybe we can come back at the end and, and you can tell me how a grocery store relates to this particular episode. <laughs> uh, no problem. And uh, also we can talk a little bit uh, about the show itself and the fact that I get permission from the family to produce and direct a version of Sorry, Wrong, a number a few years back. And my experience in seeing how an audience that had never heard the play being performed and how powerful her writing skills were okay, for an audience that had. So I think it's important to share that. That's a great segue into what I wanted to bring up before we play this show. There was some discussion on the Internet in the last few days about this particular program. And in the discussion, which was led off by one of uh, probably the most famous uh, female writers about old-time radio, and this lady was suggesting that the play, uh, or the show, Sorry, Wrong Number, was so dated that a modern audience would not understand what in the world was going on, and that it wasn't a great one to, to showcase to people, to, try, to young people, to try to get them interested in radio. And I strongly disagree with that. Um, As do I. Okay. But she had some interesting points in her internet posting. She was basically saying that because most young folk today use a cellular telephone, that they don't have any clue what a dial-up phone is or what a party line was or how any of that functioned back then. So... Before we play this show, let's educate those who are young and explain a little bit to them what's going on here so that they know. I mean, we could not do this, but I figure let's do it and see if it makes any difference to anybody. Back in the 1940s, they had rotary dial phones where you would actually take your little finger, put it in a little hole, 
and dial with your finger the number you wanted to dial. And so you're going to hear a whole lot of that in this program. They also had what was called party lines, in which you would share your phone line with others in the area, and there could be times when you could get connected to the same phone call at the same time as someone else was making a phone call or, or on the phone, and the two could cross over. It was not a common experience, but it was not totally uncommon either, and everybody alive back when the show was done certainly know, knew what that meant and, and how that could get misconstrued. Uh, obviously, there's also operators involved in that, and I don't know if you can just dial an operator these days, but back then you pick up the phone, dial zero, and a live person would answer. Uh, Don, is there anything else we should explain to them about this before we just play it? No, not at this point in time. I think let's let the show play, let them listen to it, and then we can uh, expand further on that when we get to the end. All right. Well, very good. This is, again, Agnes Moorhead, the great, I would almost call Agnes Moorhead the first lady of radio, and, and Lucille Fletcher the first lady of radio horror, but the two of them together is just a dynamite grouping. So, this is another episode of Suspense, probably the most famous suspense show of all time, Sorry, Wrong Number. Roma Wines present Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud. Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Man in Black, here to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, we bring you, in response to requests from many thousands of listeners, Miss Agnes Moorhead, in one of the most famous suspense plays this series has ever presented, Sorry, Wrong Number. But before we raise the curtain on suspense, here is a message from your host, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Sometimes it seems we must go far afield to discover riches that were right at hand all the time. As you discover in listening to a conversation which might be taking place at the smart Coral Beach and Tennis Club in Bermuda. An American about to depart for the States thanks his Bermudian friend for the gracious hospitality shown him. In particular, for the especially enjoyable wine his friend served. He remarks how much you'd like to be able to get some of that same wine at home. The Bermudian chuckles as he says, For my friend, that wine you enjoyed so much. It comes from the great wine districts of your own California. It is Roma wine. Yes, friends, many Americans are still not aware that Roma wines are so highly rated in many foreign lands that at every opportunity they are imported to be enjoyed as rare luxuries. But here in America, we can enjoy these superb Roma wines as a daily pleasure, well within reach of the most modest purse, with no high import duty, no expensive shipping costs included. That's why Roma wines cost you so little. Have you been overlooking the enjoyment these richly satisfying Roma wines offer as a delectable beverage at any time, as the addition that can make any meal an occasion, as a sure-to-be-appreciated offering to your guests when you entertain? 
You get some idea of the great worth of these fine Roma wines when you learn Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. Why put off your enjoyment of Roma wines another day? I'll spell out the name for you. R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now with Lucille Fletcher's study in terror called Sorry Wrong Number, and with the performance of Agnes Moorhead, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Operator, I've been dialing Murray Hill 40098 now for the last three quarters of an hour, and the line is always busy. I don't see how it could be busy that long. Will you try it for me, please? I will be glad to try that number for you. One moment, please. I don't see how it could be busy all this time. It's my husband's office. He's working late tonight, and I'm all alone here in the house. My health is very poor, and I've been feeling so nervous all day. Bringing Murray Hill 40098. Hello? Hello, is Mr. Stevenson there? Hello? 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 George? Yes, sir, this is George speaking. Hello? Who's this? What number am I calling, uh, please? Uh, I'm here with our client. Oh, good. Is everything okay? Is the coast clear for tonight? Yes, George. He says the coast is clear for tonight. Okay, okay. Where are you now? In a phone booth. Don't worry, everything's okay. Very well. You know the address. Yes, I know, I know. Let's see now. At uh, 11 o'clock, the private patrolman goes around to the bar on 2nd Avenue for a beer. That's right, 11 o'clock. Okay. And be sure that all the lights downstairs are out. There should be only one light visible from the street. Okay, okay. What's that? Oh, just a minute, George. Oh, our client tells me that at 11.15, a train crosses the bridge. It makes a noise in case her window is open and she should scream. Hello. What number is this, please? Okay, I understand. That's uh, 11.15, the train. Huh? Yeah. Do you remember everything else, George? Yes, yeah. I'll make it quick, as little blood as possible, because our client does not wish to make her suffer long. That's right. You'll use a knife? Yes, a knife will be okay. Then afterwards, I remove the rings and the bracelets and the jewelry in the bureau drawer because our client wishes it to look like a simple robbery. <laughs> Don't worry, everything's okay. I know. Oh, how awful. How unspeakably awful. Your call, please. Operator, I, I, I've just been cut off. I'm sorry, what number were you calling? Why, it was supposed to be Murray Hill 40098, but it wasn't. Some wires must have got crossed. I was cut into a wrong number, and I, I, I've just heard the most dreadful thing, something about a murder. And, uh, Operator, you'll simply have to retrace that call at once. 
I, I beg your pardon. Uh, may I help you? Oh, I, I know it was a wrong number, and I had no business listening, but these two men, they were cold-blooded fiends, and they were going to murder somebody, some poor, innocent woman who was all alone in a house near a bridge. A and we've got to stop them. we just got to. What number are you calling? Well, that please? doesn't matter. This was a wrong number, and you dialed it for me, and we've got to find out what it was immediately. What number did you call? Oh, why are you so stupid? What, what time is it? You mean to tell me you can't find out what that number was just now? I'll connect you with the chief operator. Oh, I think it's perfectly shameful. Now, now look, look, it was obviously a case of some little slip of the finger. I, I told you to try Murray Hill 40098 for me. You dialed it, but your finger must have slipped, and I was connected with some other number. And I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. Now, I simply fail to see why you couldn't make that same mistake again on purpose. Why you couldn't try to dial Murray Hill 40098 in the same sort of careless way. Murray Hill 40098, I will try to get it for you. Well, thank you. I am sorry, Murray Hill 40098 is busy. I will call you operator, in... Operator! Operator! Your call, please. You didn't try to get that wrong number at all. I asked you explicitly, and all you did was dial correctly. I am sorry. What number are you calling? Well, can't you for once forget what number I'm calling and do something for me? Now, I, I want to trace that call. It's my civic duty, and it's your civic duty to trace that call and apprehend those dangerous killers. And if you won't... I will connect you with the chief operator. Well, please... Operator. Oh, uh, Chief Operator, I want you to trace a call, a, a telephone call, immediately. I, I don't know where it came from or who was making it, but it's absolutely necessary that it be tracked down because it was about a murder that someone's planning, a, a, a terrible, cold-blooded murder of a poor, innocent woman tonight at 11.15. I see. Uh, can you trace it for me? Can you track down those men? Well, I'm not certain. It depends. Depends on what? It depends on whether the call is still going on. If it's a live call, we can trace it on the equipment. If it's been disconnected, we can't. Disconnected? If the parties have stopped talking to each other. Oh, but of course they must have stopped talking to each other by now. That was at least five minutes ago, and they didn't sound like the type who would make a long call. Well, I can try tracing it. May I have your name, please? Mrs. Stevenson. Mrs. Albert Stevenson. Uh, but and listen. your telephone number, please. Plaza 32098. But, but if you go on wasting all Why this time... Why do you want this call traced, please? Why? Oh, no reason. I, I mean, I, I merely felt very strongly that something ought to be done about it. These men sounded like killers. They're, they're dangerous. They're going to murder this woman at 11.15 tonight, and I, I thought the police ought to know. Have you reported this to the police? Well, no, not yet. You want this call checked purely as a private individual? Yes, yes, but meanwhile... I'm sorry, Mrs. Stevenson, but I'm afraid we couldn't make this check for you and trace the call... Just on your say-so as a private individual. I, We'd have to have something more official. Oh, for heaven's sake. You mean to tell me I can't report that there's going to be a murder without getting tied up in all this red tape? Why, it's perfectly idiotic. Well, all right, all right, I'll call the police. Thank you. I'm sure that would be the best way to do it. It's ridiculous. Curse such nonsense. Your call, please. The police department. Get me the police department, please. Thank you. Ringing the police department. Oh, can't, can't you ring them direct? This time. 
Police station, uh, Precinct 43, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police department, uh, this is Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Albert Smythe Stevenson of 53 North Sutton Place. I'm calling up to report a murder. Huh? I mean, the murder hasn't been committed yet, but I just uh, overheard plans for it over the telephone, over a wrong number that the operator gave me. I- I've been trying to trace down the call myself, but everybody is so stupid, and I guess in the end you're the only people who could do anything. Yes, ma'am. It was a perfectly definite murder. I heard their plans distinctly. Two men were talking, and they were going to murder some woman at 11.15 tonight. She lived in a house near a bridge. Are are you listening to me? Uh, Oh, yes, yes. And and there was a private patrolman on the street. He was going to go around for a beer on 2nd Avenue. And, And there was some third man, a client who was paying to have this poor woman murdered, they were going to take her rings and bracelets and and use a knife. Well, it's unnerved me dreadfully, and I'm not well. Uh, uh, Yes, I see. Uh, Well, when uh, was all this, ma'am? About eight minutes ago. Oh, then you can do something you do understand. What's your name, ma'am? Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Albert Stevenson. And your address? 5353 North Sutton Place. That's near a bridge, the Queensboro Bridge, you know. And we have a private patrolman on our street. And the 2nd Avenue is the next... And what uh, was that number you were calling? Murray Hill 40098. But that wasn't the number I overheard. I mean, Murray Hill 40098 is my husband's office. Mm. He's working late tonight, and I was trying to reach him to ask him to come home. I'm an invalid, you know, and it's the maid's night off, and I hate to be alone, even though he says I'm perfectly safe as long as I have the telephone right beside my bed. Well, uh, we'll look into it, Miss Stevenson, and uh, see if we can check it with the telephone company. But the telephone company said they couldn't check the call if the parties had stopped talking. I've already taken care of that. Oh, you have? Yes, and personally, I feel you ought to do something far more immediate and drastic than just check the call. What good does checking the call do if they stop talking? By the time you track it down, they'll already have committed yes, the murder. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll take care of it, don't you worry. I'd say the whole thing calls for a search, a complete and thorough search of the whole city. I'm very near the bridge, and I'm not far yeah, from 2nd said... Avenue, and, and I know I'd feel a whole lot better if you sent around a radio car to this neighborhood at once. Well, uh, what makes you think the murder is going to be committed in your neighborhood, ma'am? Well, I, I, I don't know. Only the coincidence is so horrible. 2nd Avenue is the patrolman, the, the bridge? Yeah, well, 2nd uh, Avenue, you know, is a very long street, ma'am, and you know how many bridges there are in the city of New York alone. <laughs> Not to mention Brooklyn, Staten Island, and Queens, and the Bronx. I know all that. How do you know there isn't some little house on Staten Island, on some little Second Avenue you never heard about? How do you know they were even talking about New York at all? But I heard the call on the New York dialing system. Well, maybe it was a long-distance call you overheard. You know, telephones are funny things. Now, uh, look, lady, why don't you look at it this way? Supposing you hadn't broken in on that telephone call. Supposing you got your husband the way you always do, you wouldn't be so upset, would you? Well, I, I, I suppose not, only it, it sounded so inhuman, so cold-blooded. Well, a lot of murders are plotted in this city every day, ma'am. We manage to prevent almost all of them, but a clue of this kind is so vague, there's much more use to us no clue at all. But surely you can... Unless, of course, you have some reason for thinking this call was phony and that someone may be planning to murder you. Me? Oh, no... No, I hardly think so. I, I'm, I mean, why should anybody? Well, I'm alone all day and night. I, I see nobody except my maid, Eloise. She's a big 200-pounder. Yeah. She's too lazy to bring up my breakfast tray, and mm-hmm. the only other person is my husband, Albert. He's crazy about me. He adores me. He waits on me hand and foot, and 
Has scarcely left my side since I took sick 12 years ago. Yeah, well, uh, then there's uh, nothing for you to worry about. And now if uh, you'll just leave the rest of this to us, we'll take care of it. But what will you do? It's so late. It's nearly 11 now. We'll take care of it, lady. Well, will you broadcast it all over the city and and, and send out squads and and, and warn your radio cars to watch out, especially in suspicious neighborhoods like mine? Lady, I said we'd take care of it. Now, uh... I've got a couple of other matters here on my desk that require immediate attention. So good night, ma'am, and thank you. Oh, you, you idiot. Now, why did I hang up the phone like that? Now he'll think I am a fool. Oh, why doesn't Albert come home? Why doesn't he? The operator again. Oh. Your call, please. Operator, for heaven's sake, will you ring that Murray Hill 40098 number again? I can't think what's keeping him so long. I will try it for you. Got me so nervous. It takes so long. I'm sorry, Murray Hill 40098 is busy. I will call I can hear it. You don't have to tell me. I know it's busy. Oh, if I could only get out of this bed for a little while. If I could get a breath of fresh air or just lean out of the window and see the street. Hello, Albert? Hello? Hello? Oh, what's the matter with his phone? Hello? 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 Oh, for heaven's sake, who is this? Hello? 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 I don't know what's the matter with this telephone tonight, but it's positively driving me crazy. I've never seen such inefficient, miserable service. Now, look. Look, I'm an invalid, and I'm very nervous, and I'm not supposed to be annoyed. But if this keeps on much longer... What seems to be the trouble, Well, everything's wrong. I haven't had one bit of satisfaction out of one call I've made this evening. The whole world could be murdered for all you people care. And now my phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing every five seconds or so, and when I pick it up, there's no one there. I am sorry. If you will hang up, I will test it for you. I don't want you to test it for me. I want you to put that call through, whatever it is, at once. I'm afraid I cannot do that. You can't? And why? Why, may I ask? The dial system is automatic. <gasps> if someone is trying to dial your number, there is no way to check whether the call is coming through the system or not oh. unless the person who is trying to reach you complains to his particular operator. Well, of all the stupid... And meanwhile, I've got to sit here in my bed suffering every time that phone rings, imagining everything. I will try to check the trouble check for it, you, madam. Check it, That's all anybody can do. Oh, what's the use of talking to you? You're so stupid. I'll fix her. Oh, lady impudent. How dare she speak to me like that? How dare she speak to me like that? No satisfaction out of anybody. Lancer. Your call, please. Young woman, I don't know your name, but there are ways of finding you out. And I'm going to report you to your superiors for the most unpardonable rudeness and insolence it has ever been my privilege... Give me the business office at once. You may dial that number direct. Dial it direct? I'll do no such thing. I don't even know the number. The number is in the directory, or you may secure it by dialing... Listen here, you! Oh, what's the use? (laughs) Oh, for heaven's sake, I'm going out of my mind, out of my mind. 
Oh, hello. Stop ringing. Do you hear? Answer me. Who is this? Do you realize you're driving me crazy? Who's calling me? What are you doing it for? Now stop it. Stop it. Stop it, I say. Hello. Hello. If you don't stop ringing, I'm going to call the police. Do you hear? The police. <laughs> oh. If Elbert would only come home. <laughs> oh, let it ring. Let him go on ringing. It's a trick of some kind. I won't answer it. I won't answer it. I won't. Even if it goes on ringing all night, I won't answer it. I won't answer it. <laughs> now, now what's the matter? Why do they stop ringing all of a sudden? What time is it? Where's my clock? Where is it? Five to eleven. They've decided something. They sure I'm home. They've heard my voice answering them just now. That's why they've been ringing me. Why no one is answering me? Oh. Oh. Oh, where is she? Where is she? Why doesn't she answer? You are called, please. Where were you just now? Why didn't you answer at once? Give me the police department. But that's impossible. The police department can't be busy. There must be other lines available. The line is busy. I will try to get them for you later. No, no, I've got to speak to them now. It may be too late. I've, I've got to talk to someone. What number do you wish to speak to? I please? don't know, but there must be someone to protect people beside the police department. A, a, a detective agency. And... You will find agencies listed in the classified directory. I don't have a classified. I mean, I'm too nervous to look it up, and I, I don't know how to use the book. I, I will connect you with information. Perhaps she will be able to help you. No, no. <laughs> oh, you're being spiteful, aren't you? You don't care, do you, what happens to me? I could die, and you wouldn't care. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it. I can't stand anymore. Hello, what do you want? Stop ringing, will you? Stop Hello? it. Hello? Is this Plaza 32099? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I, I'm sorry. This is Plaza 32099. This is Western Union. I have a telegram here for Mrs. Albert Stevenson. Is there anyone there to receive the message? I... I am Mrs. Stevenson. The telegram is as follows. Mrs. Albert Stevenson, 53 North Sutton Place, New York, New York. Darling, terribly sorry. Tried to get you for last hour, but line busy. Leaving for Boston, 11 p.m. tonight on urgent business. Back tomorrow afternoon. Keep happy. Love, signed Albert. Do you wish us to deliver a copy of the message? No. No, thank you. Thank you, madame. Good night. Good night. No. Oh, no, I don't believe it. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Not when he knows I'll be all alone. It's some trick. It's some trick, some fiendish trick. I know it. Your call, please. Operator. Try that Murray Hill 40098 number for me just once more, please. You may dial that number direct. Oh. Albert, how could you? 
How could you? Oh, but I can't be alone tonight. I can't. If I'm alone one more second, I'll go mad. I don't care what he says or what the expense is. I'm a sick woman. I'm entitled to some consideration. This is information. May I help you? I, I want the telephone number of Henchley Hospital. Henchley Hospital? Do you have the street address? No, no, it's somewhere in the 70s. It's a very small, private, and exclusive hospital where I had my appendix out two years ago. Henchley, H-E-N-C-H-L. Come on, please. Please hurry. And please, what is the time? You may find out the time by dialing Meridian 71212. Oh, for heaven's sake, I've no time to be dialing. The number of Henchley Hospital is Butterfield 8 9970. You. Nurses registry. Uh, who was it you wish to speak to? Please? I want the nurses registry at once. I want a trained nurse. I want to hire her immediately for the night. I see. And uh, what is the nature of the case, madam? Nerves. I'm very nervous. I need soothing and companionship. You see, my husband is away, and I'm. Uh, have you been recommended to us by any doctor in particular, madam? No, but I really don't see why all this catechizing is necessary. I want a trained nurse. I was a patient in your hospital two years ago, and after all, I do expect to pay this person for attending me. We quite understand that, madam. But these are war times, you know. I. Registered nurses are very scarce just now, and our superintendent has asked us to send people out only on cases where the physician in charge feels it is absolutely necessary. Well, it is absolutely necessary. I'm a sick woman. I'm, I'm very upset, very. I'm alone in this house, and I'm an invalid, and, and tonight I overheard a telephone conversation that upset me dreadfully. A, a woman's going to be killed when a tra... In, in fact, if someone doesn't come at once, I'm afraid I'll go out of my mind. I see. Well, uh, I'll speak to Miss Phillips as soon as she comes in. Uh, what is your name, Miss Phillips, and when do you expect her in? I really couldn't say. She went out to supper at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock? Oh, it's not 11 yet. Oh, oh, my clock has stopped. I thought it was running down. What time is it? Just 15 minutes past 11. What was that? What was what, madam? That, that click just now in my own telephone as though someone has lifted the receiver off the hook, off the extension telephone downstairs. I didn't hear it, madam. Now, about... But I did! There's someone in this house. Someone downstairs in the kitchen. And they're listening to me now. They're li I won't pick it up. I won't. I won't let them hear me. I'll be quiet and they'll think. But if I don't call someone now, while well, they're still down there, there'll be no time Your call, please. Operator, I'm I'm in desperate trouble. I I'm sorry, I cannot hear you. Please speak louder. Oh, dear, I there's someone listening. Can you hear me now? I am sorry. But you've got to hear me. Please, please, you've got to help me. There's someone in this house. Someone who's going to murder me, and you've got to get in touch with it. There it is. There it is. He's put it down. He's put down the extension phone. He's coming upstairs. He's he's coming up the stairs. Give me the police department. The police department. One moment, please. I will connect you. Okay. Please. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, come here. Oh, please. I didn't do anything. Oh, no, come here. Please, no. Please, no. Ah! 
Police Department, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police Department, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police Department, Police Department. Uh, uh, Police Department. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Must have got the wrong number. Don't worry. Everything's okay. And so closes Sorry, Wrong Number, starring Agnes Moorhead. Tonight's tale of Suspense. Before we tell you about next week's stars and story... Roma Wine, sponsor of these weekly suspense dramas, asks you to consider this. When entertaining guests at your home, are you able to go into your Roma Wine cellar and say, which would you prefer, this delightful sherry or this sweeter, heavier port? Whichever of these or any others of the many equally fine Roma California wines you offered your guest, they would find you had poured a world of satisfaction into their glasses. If you are not one of the millions already enjoying these good Roma Wines, don't put off this great treat another day. You'll be surprised at the tiny cost your Roma wine dealer will ask for such great enjoyment. Only pennies a glass by actual check. Now you can boast of your own private wine cellar, your private Roma wine cellar. And then, inspired by the great qualities of Roma wines, you will add your voice to the swelling international chorus that says, Roma wines are truly magnificent. Let me repeat the name. R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Agnes Moorhead. I'm always flattered and delighted when I'm asked to appear on Suspense because I have such very great admiration for this program. I know you'll want to be listening next week, as I will, when Michelle Morgan and Philip Dorn will be your stars with George Caloris. One more word. The attack for victory is on. You help make the victory surer and bring it sooner when you buy more war bonds. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Don't forget then next Monday, same time, for Michelle Morgan, Philip Dorn, with George Coloris in Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Okay, absolute masterful performance there, absolute masterpiece of writing. Sorry, wrong number, written by Lucille Fletcher from Suspense, June 1st, 1944. And we have Mr. Don Ramlow with us to uh, tell us a little bit about it now that we've heard it. All right, Don, what do you say now? Okay, well, what I'd like to talk about, first off, is uh, that is absolutely probably one of the best-performed uh, radio plays of all time. And Orson Welles himself indicated that he thought Lucille's writing for this and The Hitchhiker were some of the finest radio writing. Agree uh, with Mr. Wells. Agree with Mr. Wells. You know, no doubt about that. And then, then as I alluded to earlier at the beginning of this program, uh, I had permission from Lucille's daughter, Dorothy, for my theater group here in Kalamazoo to uh, recreate an episode of Sorry, Wrong Number. And we had a retired New York actress named Peg Smart who uh, agreed to be in our program with our theater group. 
and she was absolutely top-notch, just brought everything that she needed to it. But what surprised me is I'm directing the show, and of course my back is to the audience when I'm directing, and as we're first getting started with the radio plane that's going on, uh, I'm hearing laughter in the audience. And of course, you know, having seen this play many times, including directed by William Robeson, uh, I'm going, why are they laughing? But then as the story got on, I realized they were laughing at the woman because they certainly had heard similar, uh, met similar people. But then they slowly got pulled into the story and all of a sudden the entire room went kind of quiet. You know, all the laughing slowly faded away after times. And when they got to the end with the big payoff, you know, with the train going by, uh, sorry, I must have the wrong number. There was just a brief pause, and then everybody stood up. And there were people in there that were age 10 and people that were all the way up to age 90. Every one of them gave a standing applause uh, for the radio production and how it had went. And they all just absolutely loved the show. And I think that goes back to your point that you were making earlier, which was, you know, uh, the fact that some people feel that you can't enjoy it if you don't understand what radio uh, telephone systems are and were like back in those days. Because quite frankly, telephones were only a tool uh, to putting this show on. There was the story itself that was so intense. This woman who was so out of control and realizing all of a sudden when she hasn't yet that she's the one that's going to get murdered. I mean, that's just an incredible writing. And, and my audience, like I said, would range from all ages. What uh, year did have, you perform this? What year did you direct this? I want to say I did this maybe uh, eight or nine years ago. Okay, so that's within the within the range of cell phones and <laughs> modern technology and all that kind of stuff. I agree with you. People will understand great writing and a great performance, and if they have to think a little bit about how things operated back then, well, let them think. They can still follow the story and they can still get drawn into it. Exactly right. You know, And that's why a lot of people consider this one of the finest uh, scripts written, because of the fact that you don't have to uh, necessarily understand uh, some of the premise as long as you understand the characters. And this, let me tell you, that does it. In fact, I read somewhere that uh, Agnes Moorhead, when she was all done, was so physically exhausted and actually lost weight, you know, just through all the intensity of everything that she put into that role. Yes, I've heard that as well, that she was sweating profusely during the show and um, had a fan that she kept fanning herself with to keep her somewhat dry while doing all this. Um, this is the second time that Sorry, Wrong Number was performed on suspense. It was performed many times afterwards. But there is a story, which I'm not familiar with all the details, and I hope you are. There's a story that the very first time they presented this, something went wrong near the end. Do you know that story, and can you tell well, it? From, from what I've heard and what was shared with me was the idea that when they got right to the big payoff with the train and everything else, uh, Something went wrong with hearing the payoff where they said, sorry, wrong number. Okay, that's what anecdotally uh, happened. And so because of that, people went, wait a minute, did she die? You know, what's going on? You know, why is that? And they got so many calls and everything that they had to do it just a short while later in order to make sure that it was clear to the people on the thing that she had indeed been... Uh, Okay, I'm going to get real technical about this because I know something about how these shows were done. 
they were live, as most people would know. Uh, right. But what most people don't realize is that there was an East Coast and a West Coast presentation of some of these shows, including Suspense. So my question goes to, was the foul-up in the original first presentation of it on the East Coast, or was it in the rebroadcast to the West Coast? And when I say rebroadcast, it wasn't recorded and rebroadcast. They would actually do the show for the East Coast, come in three hours later, and do it again for the West Coast. So when did this foul-up occur, and is there a recording of it? There should be, because all the suspense shows were recorded, and they're all floating around out there, well, most of them. Uh, is that out there somewhere? If it is, I would like to find it and play it on this show at some point. Yeah, I agree with you. I personally have not yet heard an episode with the botch ending. I've heard the corrected one. And like you mentioned, there were two performances done of the show. Sometimes, as my research and working with Joe Webb and other people who are big suspense fans, sometimes there was even a couple different versions edited up depending on whether they're going all the way out to the islands or whatever. So uh, we've discovered that besides the two, sometimes there were even additional ones. I have yet to hear the episode with the actual mistake. Everything that I've seen with dates on it still have the corrected ending where I can definitely tell what happened. Okay, so, so my I suspicion... My yeah. suspicion then would be that it was the very first performance of the East Coast uh, feed, and it got screwed up. They certainly wouldn't screw it up for the West Coast three hours later, so perhaps the recording from that date that is in 1943, that date that survives is indeed the West Coast recording, and there is no follow-up, so that's why we've never heard it. Exactly correct, because I've looked for it myself, and I've listened to a lot of different versions of the same shows uh, on things, and I've yet to hear that particular one. So I will also keep my uh, ears open, so to speak, to see if we ever come across that, because uh, that would be something fun for you to have on your show, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, also for people listening to that, if you recognize the voice of the killer, you might have recognized the voice of the killer. It was Hans Conried, who was the voice of a million radio roles and cartoons and whatever else, all throughout the 40s, 50s, 60s, and into the 70s. Right. And also on that show was another actor who played the man in black, uh, Joseph Kearns, who was in numerous uh, radio shows, not just suspense, but others. He, I mean, literally hundreds of performances just in radio, if not thousands. And, uh, you know, he was a mainstay during this time period for uh, the time of Sorry, Wrong Number, and he appeared in many of the recreations of Sorry, Wrong Number they did on suspense. Well, and the baby boomer generation will know him as Mr. Wilson on the Dennis the Menace show. Absolutely. You bet they will. Okay. One thing before we cut out of Sorry Wrong Number and leave everybody for today and come back next week. Um, if you don't know, and I know you know, Don, but if you don't know, Sorry Wrong Number was actually made into a full-length feature film in 1948 starring Barbara Stanwyck. Um, do you know anything about Lucille Fletcher's contribution to that? She actually, I would have to check my notes, but uh, just off the top of my head, I believe she wrote the script for that. Right. So she had movie. to, that's correct. I didn't know if you had talked to her about it or anything because she had to take what was a 24 minute or 25 minute radio script and turn it into an hour and a half film and how that story fleshed out to an hour and a half, if there were any insights available from her on that. We did not talk about this a lot, the movie version, but what little she did share with me was the fact that 
while it was a great film, she thought it lost a little bit in expanding it out into the full-length uh, filmed version. She was happy to do it and thrilled that it was being made into a movie, but she kind of felt that a little of the intensity was lost in the show by having it expanded out. Okay, well, those who haven't seen the movie, the movie's quite good. Barbara Stanwyck does a quite admirable job. I still prefer Agnes Moorhead, and I still prefer the intensity of this as a radio play rather than a film, but it does work as a film, so I see why they did it. Now, what you may not realize or haven't uh, noticed is they also did it as a television film in the 1980s with Lonnie Anderson in the lead role. Oh, no. All right. I will kind of hold my tongue a little bit here, but I'll ask you, how did she do? Uh, it wasn't Barbara Stanwyck quality. <laughs> and that means it certainly wasn't uh, Agnes Moorhead quality. <laughs> But anyway, no, Lonnie did that along with Patrick McNee and a lot of other very famous persons, Hal Holbrook and others, but it was done as a TV uh, production of a film. So like a made-for-TV film? Yeah, exactly. And this was in the 80s? Uh, in 1989, I believe, as a matter of fact. Was Miss Fletcher still alive at the time it was done? Yes, but I never had a chance to talk to her <laughs> okay. about that particular film. But yes, she was still around when that was done. I'm curious what she thought of it then. Oh, I guess we'll, so never, I guess we'll never know that. Well, uh, maybe a question I have to send a letter to her daughter and ask her daughter if she knows how she felt about it. Okay, and as I had been mentioning, uh, Lucille wrote this based on the idea of an experience she had had when she was younger. And what happened was she had had to go to a drugstore, which was near her house because uh, Bernard was uh, under the weather. And when she started talking with her pharmacist, the woman got very impatient in the line and just started whining and uh, kind of becoming very irritated. So after she left, she said, I'm going to write a script about this. And that's how she uh, got her story. So the, uh, the script has nothing really to do with the drugstore, but more of a kind of a whiny lady who was in front of her in line. Exactly correct. Uh, just the way the attitude of the woman, she just figured, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write this story. So Interesting. That's what interesting. Happened. Okay. Well, the rest of it came out of her fertile imagination somewhere. You bet. All no right, well, Don uh, Ramlow, thank you for being with us again. I know you'll be back for the next few shows as well. Uh, this is John Tefteller in the Good Old Days of Radio Show. Uh, you heard probably it doesn't get much better radio than what you heard here today. So um, take this one, let your friends hear it. If they've never heard a radio play, you can explain to them a little bit about what the telephone system was like and dialing on a rotary phone and all that before that if you want to but i guarantee you if you can sit them down and get them past those little bits of information uh they will love this thing it is just a masterpiece of writing and we we again are great to be able to bring that to you here on the good old days of radio show so until next thursday we'll be back with more of the great writing of Lucille Fletcher, more comments from Mr. Don Ramlow, and tell all your friends and hope you're all enjoying this series, and we'll be back again next week. This is John Tuftiller saying goodbye. <laughs>